This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello, Charlie. Will, I think someone's stolen my bin. What do you mean? Well, I mean, like, I, obviously no, Will, I know no. what you mean. I, I understand <laughs> the concepts of bins, and I also understand the concept of uh, theft. So theft. I guess what you're no, really saying you is that you, you had a bin, and you no longer have a bin, and you suspect that the reason you have no longer have a bin is somebody has taken your bin. But you didn't know which bin it was. It could have been my bathroom bin or my kitchen bin or my office bin, but I mean, it's my wheelie bin. That would be such a better story though, right? Like right, that someone stole having my kitchen someone bin. steal your outdoor wheelie bin, which is something that is accessible to the outdoors and a thing that other people can easily disguise as their own, kind of makes sense. But the idea that somebody uh-huh. had snuck into your house and stolen, say, your bathroom bin is an actual mystery. But this, Will, is where you were wrong. My bin cannot be mistaken for someone else's because a couple of years ago, I customized it. So it's specifically my bin. Because the thing is, I oh, even part Was that when and- you were hosting that show on MTV, Pimp My Bin? <laughs> yes. Didn't go too well. We got one season. <laughs> one bin. We, Your own. We couldn't get... Ex- we couldn't get Exhibit to host it, so we got the next best rapper we could, we could afford, which was Bruce Amazon. Remember he did that uh, rap song back in 1993? Girl I Want or Girl I Love or something like that. Oh, Bruce you Amazon's know. Pimp My Bin. I, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was a great show. <laughs> no, uh, my bin sits on the street because I, uh, I live in uh, an apartment. We don't have room uh I live in a top floor apartment, don't have room up here to get the bin, so I keep the bin down on street level, accessible to anyone. And what I would find is that people would use my bin uh, so much during, like passers-by would use my bin so much that I would not have any space to actually put my garbage in there at the end of the day. So I went out to the hardware store (coughs) and I bolted a chain through it and bought a padlock and would lock the bin during the week so oh. no one else could use my bin except for me. You're one of those people. I'm one of those guys. I'm the grumpy old man. Because it was so annoying, Will. I put my bin out on a Tuesday night, the, it would get collected, and then I'd, I'd get about half a day before it was filled again because I live near shops. So often I've caught people from the local cafes and stuff dumping their stuff in my bin, and I've had to yell at them. But they wouldn't listen to me, so I had to take matters into my own hands. So I went to a hardware store, I drilled a hole in the bin, I put a bolt through it, I put a chain through the top side, and I bought a padlock, and I locked it. So no, no, actually, that's not true. I wasn't entirely unsympathetic, because often when I'm walking my dog, I will use someone else's bin, if it's on the street, to dump a bag of poo. So I would chain it to a point where you could lift the lid just enough to slip in a bag of dog poo, but nothing else. No, like big sheets of cardboard or broken glass or people would often put planks of wood in there. Like, why are you putting wood in my bin? It's clearly a hard rubbish thing. Okay, there's so much of this story that I need to unpack. Firstly, I just, your rules of how to live in a society are all over the place, in my opinion. Because for me, dog poo is the one thing that you should not be putting in other people's bins. It surprises me to learn that you are both a bin chainer and a person yeah. who is happy to put their dog poo in a random person's bin. I, I think a dog, dog poo, poo in a bag in a bin. Nah. Dog poo in a bag in a no. bin. No. Don't put you your, dog, your poo dog poo in someone else's bin. Put your dog poo in a dog poo bin or like a kind of, you know, a, in public away from people bin. And you don't put it in just a random stranger's bin. Dog poo. No. No. I'm against nah, that that's idea. that's fine, mate. 
Why? But I mean, there's going to be other smelly stuff going into people's bins. It's not. It's like, oh, the poo's really ruined it. It was perfect until you put that bag of dog sealed bag of dog poo into the bin. Well, see, your sealed bag of dog poo though has more chance of breaking open, right? So you, let's assume yeah. that you're putting in your like wheelie bin. Your the garbage you're putting there is okay. in bags. You're not just like emptying garbage in the wheelie bin. I imagine you're bagging the other stuff up into some yeah. small or medium-sized garbage bags and then you have a series of them that sort of make up your, your garbage bin, right? There's a chance yeah. that when you throw your you know bag of garbage into your bin, it splashes on your smaller, like, you know, dog okay. poo and you have like I a- mean, again, you were telling me that the bin, like the, the odour coming from the bin... It, is okay, but you put in some dog poo, suddenly you've ruined the odor of the bin. It stinks regardless. Does it? What is Why one is your more- bin yes! so stinky? My bin's because not that stinky. Get- Isn't it? No. Oh, man, mine has like bin juice and like, because I, well, uh, you get bin juice and I get, like I said, I got like a lot of through traffic. So kids on the way home from school often dump their lunch into right. my bin. My bin stinks. I assumed every, are you telling me your bin doesn't stink that bad? I am telling you that. And I tell you that it is no. a pride of point in my house that the bin doesn't stink. Because firstly, we've, uh, there's an alleyway at the back of w- where I live now. And most people, when we yeah. moved in, were leaving their bins in the alleyway. Like it just seemed to be, yeah. but then there was a bit of a thing from people in the neighborhood saying, Hey, can you put your bins inside your house? Because you know, the People are using them at a jumper fence and, you know, blah, 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 right? Oh, yeah, right. So I, think I was that. like, okay, well, that makes sense. We'll do the right thing. So now that the fact that my bin is in the garage underneath my office, like, all week, I need to ensure that that's, like, so, for example, if I've got something that would, say, go off, I'm not going to put that in yeah. the bin on a Friday morning when it's a fresh bin after Thursday night collection. I'm going to put that in the freezer and then on a Wednesday or a Thursday, what? I'm going to take it out of the freezer. I'll put it oh. in the bin, and then and that's You're how insane. you that's how you ensure that your bin doesn't stink. You don't put food See, you, that will rot in your bin for a week and then just it's a, leave it to it's a. But it is a bin. Like it, 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 look, fine. I'm not judging your weird. Put my garbage in the freezer until the day of collection. Somehow that's that's fine. I'm going to accept that. But well, only stuff that would rot and, and stink in the bin. Well, like, like what, eggshells and yeah, or leftover, peels uh, and... like leftover meat from the dogs or whatever, something like that. Like a, you know, a, a... so you put that in the freezer until the day of collection. Just put it in the freezer and then just bang it into your bin. But what about the other? Do you have not have other stuff like nice food in the freezer, and you're not worried about cross contamination? Well, or anything it's in like a that? bag. I'm, again, I'm not just oh, dumping like the it. dog poo. <laughs> <laughs> like my dog poo, right, mate? I would be better. I would. Look, it's random dog poo. That's the problem. I put my own dog poo in our bin. I think that's fine. Your own dog poo in your own bin. But I don't think you should be putting your dog poo in other strangers. Okay, here's what I would say. Of people who don't have dogs, I think you're doing a disservice to dogs because that person now hates dogs because somebody keeps putting the dog poo in their bin, right? Look, let me just say... It's not a. It's not something that I go out to do. Often, Junior will poo as soon as he gets to the street, and the bag will go into our bin. But if I'm halfway to the beach or the park or whatever, and there's a bin on the street, and there is one particular bin that I'll use more than others because it's in an alleyway out the side of the house, so I'm like, okay, people use my bin, I'm going to use their bin. I a quality of a quality of circumstance, right? Like people walk past, I'm going to do the same. An thing. eye for an eye, but it's not like. Tooth for an a eye tooth. for an eye, a bin, a bin, a bin for a bin. Uh, so it's not like I, I go around like as this kind of um, uh, spreader of odors to my neighbors' bins. I will do my best to keep it contained in my bin, but on occasion I will drop it in someone else's bin. How far home would you walk with it, or would you like? So for me, if yeah. I'm say ten minutes from home. And, yeah. you know, I might look for like a, an appropriate bin on the way home. But if there isn't one, I'll just carry it home. 10 minutes, yeah. 10, 15 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's, so it's 10 minutes to the beach or the park from here. And there, if I go up the main road, there's no public bins. So I have carried stuff to the house before. Like, look, I agree with what you're saying. If there's access to a public bin, like a park or something like that, or you're on. So if you're in like a, like a, a, a paved street. 
So it's outside a shop, like a public bin. You're okay with dropping it in there because it's a public bin. As long as it's not near a cafe or anything. Like I try to be appropriate about, you know, like location well, of the bin. I like the bin to be... You what know. if it's near a takeaway? Like there is a takeaway <laughs> fish and chip shop and it's right out the front of that. I mean, today, I'll be honest with you, I walked past my baker's and I put it in their bin. Yeah. But you, again, no one's eating <laughs> food from the bin. Well, some people are. Like, yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, now you've got me like questioning my whole approach to dumping poo. No, look, here's the thing. I understand that you've been living in a world where... Because you also, if your bin is a street bin and you're up in your apartment... You probably don't have yeah. the facilities to clean your bin very well, right? Like no. a hose or whatever no. to... I can't. No. So no. essentially you've just got to the point of going, well, this is an unwinnable situation for me. I'm just going to give in to my bin being stinky and I'm going to put a big nasty chain on the top of it and padlock <laughs> it. <laughs> I understand that you're adapting to your circumstances. It well, feels well, you know very actually... road to me. Like, you know, it's a <laughs> metaphor for climate change. Like, essentially, my approach was, I think that, you know, if we just work together and we kind of plan this out, you know, we can come up with a better result. And you're like, nah, it's fucked. Nah, and I'm getting just... a chain to protect what's mine. <laughs> well, I have actually relaxed my attitude um, in the last year or so, I'd say. I've stopped padlocking it uh, because it would get annoying if I'd forget what, that it was bin night and then I'd have to run down, you know, it's 10 p.m. the night before bin night. Yeah. And then I'd have to like, oh, I forgot the bloody keys and have to run up and get the keys and then undo the padlock and stuff. And so I stopped doing it. But the bin is gone. So I did a quick lap of the block just seeing if maybe – because we also – we live not – we live <laughs> well, in a triangulation. What I love is we'd been talking for so long about the details of this story and the rambling offshoots of it. I had forgotten that someone had stolen your bin. So when you <laughs> said that, I was genuinely surprised again. I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, right. We've That's just right. been talking down this bin for eight minutes. But the reveal, of course, is somebody else has valued this bin so much that they want it as their own. Well, here's, here are my, here's my um, hypotheses of what's happened. So... On the weekends, because we, the weather's getting warmer up in Sydney now, and so we kind of live in a triangulation of uh, booze-ups. So there's like a pub down at the beach, there's a pub up the road, there's a pub sort of closer towards uh, um, uh, up the north direction. So we often get a lot of foot traffic on a, a Saturday night of drunken people walking to and from, and I think school holidays have just finished or whatever. So often on a Saturday night, you'll hear drunken school kids like, you know, trying to get, have just been kicked out of the pub or trying to get to a pub or on the way to a house party or whatever. And I have memories of being a drunken teenager. And when you're a drunken teenager, anything that is not bolted down can be turned into some form of amusement. Shopping trolleys, wheelie bins, whatever. So I don't think anyone has stolen this bin with the intention of using it. I don't think there's someone who's like, well, someone stole my bin, so a bin for a bin, as we pointed out earlier. <laughs> It's not Fury Road yet, where it's a bin for a bin. I think what's New happened New policy in this is, neighborhood. A bin for a bin. <laughs> I, I think, I, I, I reckon what's happened is either a Bucks night or a group of drunken kids have shoved their mate in my bin and rolled him down the street and then flung it over, like dumped it down in the park or, or flung it into like, you know, the trees or something like that. I'm expecting if I widen my lap of where I live, I will find it like dumped somewhere Potentially in a tree or down the embankment of the local park. They've taken it for a joyride of some kind, you think? Yeah, I think so. And I think I mean, your bin was stink, asking for stinky it. Stinky old Being bin. so stinky yeah. and like st steampunk <laughs> down on the street. Well, do, you, do you think maybe that was it? Do you think maybe they walked past? Maybe they're, maybe Antifa walked past and were like, look at this guy chaining up his bin. A bin that's on the public street. This friggin' elite needs to be shown in a lesson. Yeah, so they've stolen it's not my your bin, bin mate. To... It's society's yeah. bin. The problem with our society yeah. is people think they can chain up their bins. Well, what about our garbage? Yeah. And you know what? To show, teach you a lesson, we're going to take your bin and throw it through a shop window for no apparent reason. Capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> or something. <laughs> I want to put on a mask. <laughs> uh, so what are you going to do? Well, I guess I have to call the council. I'm going to widen my search. 
I'm going to, like I said, going to check the local park and check the trees. I don't know if, um, do you have those rented bikes in your area? The ones where you, you know, what are they called? Share bikes. Yeah. I, well, yeah. But there was a whole bunch of different ones for a while. And some of them then, there was O-Bikes. And then that went, that company yeah. went bust because people kept throwing them up trees and into the throwing river. Throwing them shit. in trees? Yeah. Right. So when I got my... turns uh, out that people try to give us nice things and we can't be trusted <laughs> with nice things. Welcome to humanity the year 2018. People don't even care about nice things. Will, someone stole my stinky bin with a padlock on it and probably threw it in a tree. So I know when I go on my morning walk past the park down to the beach. Yeah, they did I'll scream all property is theft though at the time. So I think they were making a political statement. <laughs> I'll often see a share bike up a tree down uh, by the water because near the cliffs where I live, it is like a harrowing vision. You look over the... the so near where I live, there's this cliff face and then there are these rocks and then the ocean. And the rocks are just littered with bent and battered share bikes. It's like a suicide site for share bikes, like llamas or something. No, what are the what are the, yeah? What are, who who follows each other over the cliff? Is it llamas? No, not uh, lemmings. Lemmings, llamas. Yeah, that would be a much more comical <laughs> sight. If a bunch, I was like, I was saying it. I was like, that can't be right. Llamas are too big for that to be a thing, and me not have to have seen it. <laughs> uh, when we uh, go on our morning walk. <clears throat> There's an area uh, that's kind of secluded, I guess. Like it's away from the sort of the beach path. It's a little rocky outcrop. And it's a great place to go and meditate because you've got a nice view of the water. You're away from the path. It's quiet. It's a great place to go. I've seen people like sketching there, people doing yoga and stuff. I think it's also a great place for teenagers to go and smoke bongs <laughs> because there is this little like, um, on, like a, I guess like a, a, an outcrop, a rocky outcrop that's like a natural cave. And when you go there, um, there is the remnants of the night before, or whatever, or the weekend before, or whatever teenagers have managed to get there. And over time, they've managed to drag like an armchair down there. There's normally like a dozen homemade bongs. There's some suspiciously empty like uh, Ziploc bags everywhere, beer bottles and stuff. And so I've taken to going past this on my walk most mornings. And I know I've reached a new age of maturity. Because I'll walk past this place, and once upon a time, I'd probably scour it to see if there's any leftovers that I could take home. But now what I do is go, tuss, 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 and I will clean. And I have taken a bag, garbage bag down there before, and gloves, and cleaned up this area because yeah. I've been so annoyed. And then dumped by the that bong residue in my neighbor's <laughs> bin. <laughs> exactly. I really did. One day I went down there, and I was... Like so annoyed and there was like uh, beer bottles everywhere and then half a, like an empty slab and, and cigarette butts. And so I cleared all this stuff up and then I took it up back onto the, onto the pathway and I'm like, what am I going to do with this shit now? Like there's no readily available like dumpster or anything. So I just sort of bundled it up and left it on the side of the road because I'm like, I can't carry this anywhere. And I'm like, did I improve the situation? I just basically moved the garbage from one spot to another, assuming that the council will pick it up. But then I thought about it and it's like, in my street, if you don't put that stuff in a bin, the council just leaves it. If you just dump stuff on the street, they don't pick it up. So maybe I just made the situation worse. Um, I think you made it at least slightly better. You didn't fully improve it, but you made it easier for somebody else to pick up that bag and complete your journey. Like you kind of went half well, the way there. Well, Gemma was saying... I've made a mistake because I was like, oh, these bloody teenagers. Look, I get that they're kids and, you know, we all did this and they just want to have some fun. But why do they have to leave such a mess? Why can't they clean up after them? And Jem said, but you realize they're coming back each weekend and going, this is amazing. <laughs> like, it's clean again. We can party. Like, clearly, like, some bong elves are coming out and cleaning up our mess. So... We should just keep coming here because it's always clean when we come back the next weekend. I mean, that is a very good point. I hadn't thought about it like that. And now I counterpoint to your story because I know the exact place you're talking about because I used to live uh, for a few years just down the road from where you live. And I oh, see, so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, right? yeah. And I think, like, and I can't be 100% sure about this, and don't quote me, the Daily Mail. Uh, but I think <laughs> I might have known somebody who smoked bongs in that exact same place. <laughs> With a bunch of teenagers. And I said, don't you dare clean this up. This is a monument <laughs> to the good times that were had. And I want to leave it here so some old guy walks by 
and harumphs and cleans it up and remembers when he was young and cool. Right, kids? And they're like, you're weird, man. Go away. You are so weird. Why don't you just go home and put a chain on your bin, you crazy old man? <laughs> hey, uh, I got some good news, Will. What? The faxes have been running hot. Oh, good. I think since our appeal uh, last week, people felt sorry for us. Um, so we've received four, four faxes. Hang on, how have we got? One, two... I mean, sorry, if we, anything we, has ever summed up this podcast, it's the idea that we just appealed and begged and people eventually <laughs> felt sorry for us. Well, I was wrong. It's actually, we only got three faxes. Three faxes and one with a cover letter. So that, that counts as four. We'll say it's... We got four fax pages, <laughs> which I'm counting as count four faxes. Well, so they had to fax this whole page through on its own, so that I'm counting that as an independent. As four fax. faxes, but um, so if we got three separate cover pages, would you be counting these three faxes as six faxes? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I count them by page because you pay by page. I'm sure. Well, if we weren't paying a, a flat monthly fee, when I worked at the video store and we would charge, we would charge by the page. So uh, I'm counting it. Um, but on that point of encouraging people to fax because we had this conversation off air we got a little nervous about the fact that we only got one fax last week and it's like we need to keep this going we've decided to incentivize you guys out there so for the next 45 weeks (laughs) or roughly we will be giving a prize to the best fax of the week Um, and that prize i can announce and i will put a little video online for people to see is that we have uh a while back, we talked about doing a TOEFOP sticker book. So for people who wanted to um, uh, insert Will or I into photos at home, so it looks like we're actually friends of yours, we've gone out and we have created the TOEFOP sticker book. I'm holding up to Will's camera so he can see. I'll make a little video of this online. So we've had around 50 of these printed. I'm going to keep five aside just for us, for uh, uh, archival sake. But 45 will be available to the public, limited edition, I even, uh, Sean Maluga put this together for us. Sean Maluga is our, uh, the official TOEFOP photographer and put together the uh, TOEFOP 100 book. He designed this amazing uh, sticker pack uh, and I got him to put at the top a limited edition set out of 50. So not only will you be getting this sticker pack, it's a limited edition that I will handwrite the number on it as well. So you can choose to actually take the stickers out and attach to your own photos at home, or you can hang on to it as a keepsake, maybe bag and bought it uh, to be sold, to sold at Sotheby's in a few years' time for a fortune. As a Banksy prank. As a Banksy prank. So, yeah, so from next week onwards, Will and I will decide at the end of the fact se- segment. Like, I'm not facts, saying, which, by the way, and I certainly wouldn't encourage this, but these, you know, stickers technically mm. wouldn't even have to be put on photos of your own at home. If you, say, no. for example, wanted to take a Will and Charlie and put it, <laughs> you know, on some other photo in public or oh, somewhere else. Like street art. Yeah, street art, Banksy style. You know, you wanted to go into yeah, your right. work, you know, maybe your team you know, cricket photo or like, you know, some, something at the local pub and just put us up as part of the, like the photo on the wall. I mean, that's the sort of thing that I, again, could not encourage people to do. But um, I imagine yeah. you could possibly do with these stickers. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't want to go into an art gallery, a priceless art no. gallery, and put a TOEFOP sticker. Please do not do that. Or if you're going to do it, just like alter our faces so it looks like other people. But yes, so to incentivize you guys to send in your faxes, and remember, you don't actually have to have a fax machine. You can send a digital fax. Michael, I believe, is this right, Michael? You put the details on our webpage for how people can send a, a fax digitally, while Michael Michael confirms it. Yes, okay. So go to our website, tofop.com. There will be instructions there on how you can send us a fax from your laptop because we've got to make, just, for, just to save face at least with this news agent, I really, it's a tenuous relationship at best. She was, I think she was laughing at me last week when I only had one fax. But today I felt like I got a bit of cred back when I walked in and there was four faxes waiting for me. Three, so three, to encourage you guys, <laughs> <laughs> I'll make a little video today. I'll put it online. The TOEFOP sticker pack is here for anyone who wants one. The best facts of the week. So that means no dicks, just good content, good, clean fun in the faxes. You will be sent one of these amazing TOEFOP sticker packs 
Mike, are you recording this? Maybe this can be the video. No, I don't actually. I'll record my own because I don't like the way I look. I'm just like a homeless person. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, it's time for Everyone Reads Facts. And Mike Hell has played the hilarious Everyone Read Facts theme. Uh, Here we go. To Colin Fop. Hey, Will and Charlie. Thought I couldn't let your monthly facts subscription go to waste and that it was about time I sent you a tantalizing Tofop tidbit since I've been a huge fan of the podcast for so long. Yours was the first podcast I ever heard. Thanks to being introduced uh, by my friend Cassie and now I'm addicted to the art form. Well, it's a bit of a stretch calling podcasting an art form, but sure. Now I'm addicted to the art form and I've loyally loyally followed your shenanigans ever since. I mean, I think that is the best way to follow us as well. Loyally. Because we're going to test your your patience and faith at some (laughs) stages. So if you could just be loyal. We like loyal listeners. We've also been to all your comedy shows since then, Will, and loved each one of them. I mean, okay, sure. I thought you meant our, like, Tofop shows, but yeah, Wills, that's fun. Charlie, I just wanted to let you know that I was at the Melbourne Live Show. Oh, okay, so they were at the Tofop Live Show. Charlie, I just wanted to know you to know I was at the Tof- Melbourne Live Show where you gave out the Superpod Memorial Pins. <laughs> uh, and I, at least, was gutted that I didn't get one. You know what? Don't worry about it. <laughs> you can make your own. Like, it cost me about, jeez, I think I spent about 150 bucks on like getting the stickers made and going to office works and buying this stuff. You can make your own. And I fully sanction it. If you, it's like, if you want to 3d print your own Tofop, uh, death of super pub memorial badge, by all means, I'll put the, I'll put the instructions online. <laughs> How long did it take you uh, to put them together? Well, here's the thing. I actually hired, um, a, uh, uh, a, a props buyer to build them for me because I was in the States at the time and I emailed uh, someone who I've worked with in a couple of shoots and I said, hey, look, I've got this idea. Can you make these little Tofop Memorial badges? And so she did. But I forgot that the day we're doing the show was Easter weekend. So I arrived back in Australia and I asked the hotel if there'd been a package delivered and they said, no, there's been no package. There will be no packages for the next three days because it's Easter. (laughs) So I then had to call this um, person and this props builder and say hey I need to reconstruct those badges can you tell me how to do it so she sent me all like the artwork and stuff which I had to take to office works to get the stickers made then I had to buy all the separate ingredients so she talked me through each part so with my chubby little fingers in my hotel room I had like a jeweler's eyepiece in and tweezers trying to stick these tofop labels onto these badges and glue the safety pin onto the back probably took me about I think I saw you the morning of the show, just coincidentally. I saw you in the street and I was coming back from office works and I think it took me the better part of the day. So we had sound check, I think about 4 p.m. and then the show was at like nine or something. So yeah, probably seven hours or so it took me to to make those badges. So in retrospect, Charlie, and I ask you this sincerely, would you say it was worth the effort? Will, this episode of Tofop is brought to you by our friends at Movement Watches. Well, they're not actually our friends. I mean, we feel friendly towards them because they've been the most consistent sponsor of this podcast in the history of it. So we would like to consider them, they've been friendly to us. They don't know us. Yeah. It's not like they're sitting around listening to episodes of Tofop. Movement sponsor a lot of podcasts. It's part of their business model. I'm sure there's an algorithm. I don't think there's anyone at Movement Headquarters who's like, you know who our pals are? Will and Charlie. I mean, maybe they are. If you're at Movement and you're listening to this ad read right now, could you please, uh, you know, hit us up uh, at our email or send us a fax and let us know. Is it? It's kind of pathetic if I had opened up with Will. Uh, this episode is brought to you today by guys we'd like to be friends with at Movement Watches. We would be, though. I, I mean, we love their story. I feel like I know yeah. them through hearing their story. Okay, recap it for me. Tell me what you know about them. Well, here's what I know. They're two guys. Two yep. uh, college pals. Uh, I yep, don't know if they were. Well, did, did they make it through college, Will? Well, I know they were college dropouts, but it wasn't yeah. until this moment, Charlie, that I wonder, were they at the same college and dropped out together? Did they have a pre-existing friendship? Or were they two separate college dropouts who found each other through their mutual appreciation of dropping out of college? I'd like to think that they shared a dorm room. I'd like to think that they shared a dorm room. They had one of those little mini basketball rings above their door. They had a poster of Farrah Fawcett on the wall because my impression of dorms are all from like the early 80s. 
Yeah, I would like to think they were sharing a dorm and uh, one of them blew his tuition fees on buying an overpriced department store watch and they both just looked at it and they dropped out of college simultaneously and they know the exact time. What? I'd like to think that one of him blew his college tuition buying a bra bomb and that crusty dean at the college said, movement guys, you're out of here, which was surprising because they weren't yet the movement guys. Maybe that's where the name came from. Well, since those two college dropouts started the company, it's grown like crazy with now over 2 million watches sold in 160 plus countries. And they continue to revolutionize fashion on the belief that style should not break the bank. What should break the bank? If style shouldn't break the bank, what what, what things should break the bank? Um, a royal commission into banking, an uprising <laughs> of people power based on the idea that these uh, old institutions are really money laundering op- operations that are you know, uh, scooping money out of the pockets of poor people and putting them in the pockets of rich people. Uh, that's, that's what I would break the bank with. Well, you know who's not scooping money out of the pockets of Poor people, not just poor people, every people. It's movement, Will. I don't know if you've checked out their site lately, but they have doubled the number of watch styles and they're still expanding. Again, they have doubled them in a period of time. They are not doubling every time you check the site. I check it about once a month because I know we're going to talk about you know, movement watches, so I'll check out the site. It hasn't doubled. in. If they went at that rate where every one month that we had an ad, they doubled the size of their range of watches, they would have it impossibly hard to... <laughs> Like everyone would have their own individual watch on the planet. Now, here's a little bit of the movement mythology that I think we've brushed over in the past. It says here that movement have come a long way from being the crowdfunded kids working out of a living room. They worked out of a living room. So they went from being college dropouts. So they're in that dorm room together with a Farrah Fawcett poster and the mini plastic basketball ring to working out of a living room. Do you think it was like one of their parents' living rooms or one of their living rooms? Oh. I would have thought it's a parent's living room, if I'm going to have a guess. I mean, yeah, if you're going from college, you're not going to your own house. I mean, if you're going from college, you go to a share house, and very few share houses would have living rooms that weren't covered in, like, bongs, right? Well, maybe... (laughs) You're not working in that living room. Maybe what they had decided was they were college roommates, and then they dropped out of college together, so they decided they should get, like, a share house. So I like to think that there's two rooms in this share house. One is like a a lounge room that they're using as their lounge room, but also the place they're starting their business. There's like a kitchenette area, but not a full kitchen. And then there's like one bathroom. uh, And then there is um, bunk beds. So there's one room with bunk beds. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, right. So they're like Bert and Ernie. Yeah. These two guys, they do everything They do everything together because like the watches they make, they have precise timing. Yeah. They would eat their breakfast <laughs> at the same time, they'd brush their teeth at the same time, they'd start work at the same time. That's why it's so important them to have a watch that works precisely but is also stylish <laughs> and affordable. In the past year, they've not only introduced a ton of new watch collections for both men and women, but they've also expanded to sunglasses and fashion forward bracelets for her. Now, define fashion forward, Will. Do you think, am I fashion forward? I'm sitting here in a hoodie, an old trucker cap and a pair of Kmart shorts. Am I fashion forward? I mean, I would say that you are not. No. I would no. say you're, no. you're like, you look like someone who could be going for that look as retro, but you're just wearing that look. Yeah, exactly. It's like, is he a hipster or is he abs- actually homeless? Yeah. If like I saw a guy like making me a coffee in a fancy cafe dressed as you, I'd be like, ah, oh, right. That's, I guess that's a look. Like, guy who's given up. Is that the new look? Now, Will, you said you've been on the website recently. I'm sure you've been taken as I have by the Revolver Collection. Mm. I mean, it's only one of many that they have on the website. These guys are entrepreneurs. They've got what it takes for a country to reach extraordinary growth. We love them. They love us. Well, we don't know that. We'd like to think that they love us. Yeah. I I don't think that this ad will have done us any favours in bonding with the good people at Movement Watchers. It feels like... Is it too... Too needy? Well, I just feel like also we've painted a particular picture of their lives that we have no evidence to back up. (laughs) Movement watches are all about looking good and keeping it simple, unlike this ad read. Movement watches don't uh, tell you how many steps you've taken or blow up your wrist with text messages. It tells the time and it looks good doing it. And that's true. Like, when you check your watch, 
you don't want to be checking your phone. Like you check your watch. If you are on a date, for instance, and you're like, hey, maybe it's uh, time to get out of here. If you pull your phone out of your pocket, you're digging around in your front pocket. It looks a bit sus. Just have a nice, classy movement watch on your wrist. Raise it. Let it glint. Let the chrome finish or the bronzed hands on the watch glint against the light as you check the time. And then it's like, you know what time it is? It's business time. <laughs> and then she tases you. <laughs> She says, sir, I am a police officer. You've already shined that light in my eyes. <laughs> now you've been inappropriate. I mean, when did we need watches to tell us how many steps we've taken or to give us messages or send us emails? I mean, can't we just go back to a simpler time, Will? A simpler time of styled minimalism? Uh, uh, yes, we can. <laughs> We're starting a cult, right? That's what you're saying? <laughs> yes. It's time to start a cult. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say it's some sort of movement, Charlie? <laughs> so yes, it is. We're a starting a cult, but it's C L T. That's how we spell it. <laughs> movement watches start at just ninety-five bucks at a department store. You're going to shell out between four hundred to five hundred clams for that. Movement figured out that by selling online, they were able to cut out the dreaded middleman. Retail markup provided and and retail markup providing the best possible price it's classic design quality construction and as we said before style minimalism okay i'm sure the good people at movement don't want us to do a <laughs> bit in the ad read about uh starting a cult but we could start a cult and everybody could have a movement watch that could be our thing you know like the white nikes or the whatever yeah well, how about we start the first cult that doesn't end in some tragedy? Our cult will be a great cult. I'll be a cult that improves people's lives. Right. And they do it with precise timing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everything we do is very punctual. <laughs> so, to get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns, go to movement.com slash tofop. That's movement.com slash tofop. And see why movement keeps growing and check out their expanding collection. Go to movement.com slash tofop and Will, what's the catchphrase? Don't let me down. Join our cult. No. <laughs> Join the movement. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, the fact that Amy here was gutted that she didn't get one is all, is all the credit I need. I mean, that, uh, it's so amazing that she was gutted that she didn't get one and all the people who did get one were gutted that, that, it, that they did. <laughs> So your arts and crafts skills are being appreciated somewhere. So here's my podcast contribution, getting back to basics with a hypothetical. Okay, Brilliant. Nice. I mean, that's, yeah, that's a good way to win yourself a sticker pack is to give us a good hypothetical. If you were stuck on a desert island with just a cloning machine, what would you do? So are we stuck together or are we stuck independently of each other? Mm, that's a really good question. So <clears throat> uh, let's say we're, we'll say we're stuck together. Well, no, why don't we say it's, it's separate because... Independent. Okay. Uh, then we might have different answers to the question. It, it right. provides okay. us with two separate scenarios. Because do we need an extra person? If, okay, let's go together first and then if, if it's just us separately. So if okay. we're both on the desert island, we've been on some podcasting cruise... And the boat yeah. sunk, and we've clung to... <laughs> little, dumb, dumb, little, little dumb dumb club have invited us over to Thailand. Yeah, exactly. We, uh, we decided to take a boat for some reason rather than fly. <laughs> there's a giant wave. Yeah, there's a been supercell a supercell storm hits. There's been a shipwreck, and we're on a desert island somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Somehow, we've, we've, in a we've clung on uh, to a door that uh, Mark Marin tried to get on as well, but we told him there wasn't room, and we've floated yeah. to this desert island. As the boat was sinking, we kicked Mark Marin off. He fell off and hit a propeller, <laughs> bounced into the water. <laughs> so we're stuck on we're stuck on a desert island with just oh, a cloning machine. Sorry, I need to take this call. I'll, I'll give me okay. five. Pause. Oh, jeez. Okay, Mike Hal, we just had a little break. Mike Hal counted us in really quickly then. Three, two, one, go. Okay, we're back. Uh, Desert Island, cloning machine. We're both there, you and I. What happens? I mean, for a start, it took us 80 episodes to work out how to use recording equipment. How long is it going to take you and I to work out how to operate a cloning machine? Okay, firstly, how do we even know it's a cloning machine? Like, it's not like you or I would immediately recognize a piece of equipment (laughs) as being a cloning machine. There'll be instructions with it, I imagine. 
Okay. I mean, in this, Elon Musk, Tesla have done um, direct-to-public cloning machines. So it's not industrial. It's available to the general public. So it's, this is their first big shipment. They were shipping them from Australia to Thailand for some reason. We were on our way to, to do the Dum Dum uh, Club show. You know what? Yeah so, the, yeah, so the cloning machines were actually on board and we've clung to the cloning machine and floated. <laughs> so it's just the two of us on this deserted island and the cloning machine. Does it clone just humans? Uh, no, it clones any biological matter. So we can clone coconuts, um, any wildlife, nothing inorganic. Well, I mean, I guess everything's organic. Nothing that doesn't have like, nothing that doesn't grow. So no rocks or anything like that. Okay, <laughs> in case we don't have enough rocks. I mean, actually, maybe we yeah. need to build a shelter or whatever. We need some extra rocks. Yeah, exactly. Okay, sorry. I take that back. We, we can... We can only clone living things. Okay, so some people have a problem with, you know, GMO sort of, uh, you know, like uh, you know, plants, animals that are being sort of, you know, factory grown mm. rather than being sort of naturally grown, uh, you know, as we talk about it. How would you feel about eating cloned food? Oh, I'm all right with that. I mean, like I eat lots of stuff that's like garbage. Like I'm sure, you know, like... You, those killer pythons, like, what the fuck is that? I mean, do you often, like, eat jubes and just stop and think, what is this? Well, like, what am I eating? You don't want to know what you're eating because a lot of the time it's got gelatin in it, which is, like, cow's hooves. Horse hooves. Horse hooves. Yeah. Right, you know, so yes. <laughs> what am I sucking on here when it, when I think it's this delightful killer python? Instead, I mean, what a confusing lolly. Like, it, A, it yeah. doesn't taste like a killer python taste. It's just like a, a lump of sugar and horse hoof that they've shaped into like a snake type thing. They've called them killer pythons. And then they go, hey, kids, here's what you should do. Put a killer python in your mouth. It'll taste like horse hoof. And we're going to change the flavor every inch. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like, uh, like, are you talking about like they're talking about like um, um, cruelty free meat, that kind of stuff? Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. how, how yeah, do you feel I'm, I'm about like a lab grown, like, you know, would you, if they got steak. to the point where they were like, this was never, this steak was never a cow. We have just lab grown mm. this steak using the, like, you know, DNA from a cow or whatever we have. I 100% been to that. Like, I don't feel good about being a carnivore. I would, I like animals. I don't want to have to like, you know, I don't want to have to put animals through that. And I don't have any reservations about like, of course, it's got to pass, like, FDA approval and stuff. I'm not going to be the first guy to go, sure, I'll try it. And then suddenly I grow, like, sick heads or something like that. Like, as long as it's all been... I mean, I'm sure it's going to taste different because there's something, obviously, about, like, something being grass-fed or grain-fed or whatever. I'll be interested to know how they get it to that point of maturation. Maturation? Is that a word? Maturation? Maturation. Yeah, but, I mean, essentially, they're just doing that with a living cow anyway. They're feeding them in a certain sort of way and they're, like, you're giving them a... But aren't, aren't they taking, like, they're just... I mean, I don't, God, this is going to sound so... With this, like... <laughs> no, Charlie. Meat, isn't it explain like how you believe this like process that? will work. <laughs> In my new data. <laughs> I assume that they're growing these things in a petri dish. They like take a like an animal muscle cell and then they duplicate it until they have like a steak in their petri dish. Yeah. That's how I imagine it works. And then they put it on a presentation petri dish. They petri pl- yeah. plate up. Yeah, master chef, scientific master chef. Um, okay, so just say for example, they just go they can grow a slab of meat. In a, in a lab. Yeah. And it's just like a big slab yep. and then you cut it off into steaks or whatever. What do you think? Is that vegetarian or not? Uh, is it vegetarian? No. I mean, it's, it's, it's meat. Define vegetarian. Well, I don't know. I only... Like, I don't eat I meat. only consume vegetables. So, no. <laughs> it's not... You can... <laughs> firstly, the definition of vegetarian is that you can only consume vegetables. Is not the definition. <laughs> like, <laughs> have you been living under this assumption the whole time? Seeing someone who called themselves a vegetarian having a banana smoothie yeah. and couldn't comprehend what was going on? <laughs> yeah, and the, like the really hardcore ones can only eat one vegetable. There's the carrotarians, the cucumbrians. The Pumpkapalians. (laughs) 
I mean, it means that you don't eat, um, you don't eat meat, right? Like for me, yeah. So I don't think you. For me, I, like my thing is like I won't kill an animal to eat it. So just say like my theory of how they grow these this meat in a lab is yeah. is correct. It's come some animal has had to die to provide those cells. So I think if you're sticking true to your principles of no life shall die apart from plant life, which I assume doesn't feel anything. But what if we found out that they did? Then we're fucked. Oh shit! What am I going to do? I'll have to eat air. <laughs> but an animal has died, so I don't think you could consume it. And I think, I mean, you've been vegetarian for how long now? Like 20 years. I mean, I imagine that the, te- the texture, the flavor is not appealing to you anymore. I don't know about that because I liked meat when I ate meat. I stopped eating it for, you know, moral reasons, if you want to call it that, but whatever. Like for, I you know, didn't want to, you know, karmically or whatever, Contribute have that sort of factory farming industry. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Look, anyway, what, for whatever fucking reason that I'm a vegetarian... <laughs> Like, you know, feed the dogs meat, you know, so like still kill, you know, still involved in animals being killed for the fact that I have pet dogs. So I'm not taking some yeah. sort of, you know, moral high ground moral on this. High ground. Like I'm just You're like, not going to be throwing, not going to be throwing my bin through a window anytime soon. <laughs> no, exactly. I just personally don't eat meat myself. That's all it is. Um, but, but I would have thought that you could extract the DNA from, so for example, like some people are vegans because they're like, well, you know, milking cows is brutal. I grew up on a dairy farm and, you know, the cows were treated really, really well. I don't know if that's the case in, in every situation, but like I really... It's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Well, clearly it's not. But, you know, my experience of it has been very positive. And so, you know, and I like dairy. I'm not I'm going to pretend that, it's, that you know, some of it's not just the taste, right? Like of the products and those sort of things. But I, yeah, so I don't... So vegetarian, but I eat dairy. So if you could extract the DNA from the cows without Mm. killing them, like in the same way as you could extract the meat, so the original DNA, because I don't know why you have to kill the cow to get whatever it is they need to, you know. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, my cow uh, has uh, crunched the numbers and he says, uh, you don't have to kill the animal to clone it. You only need to a cell sample, not the whole beast. Cloned meat would be vegetarian by the definitions of vegetarian and meat. Yeah. Well, there you go. So I could get back on the meat if it's cloned meat. Okay. All right. So is that the first thing you do on the desert island? You grab, just, you grab some goat and throw it in the cloning machine? Right. Because morally and ethically, I can't eat the goat that's there. Because to kill that goat would be a problem. But if I just clone it, that other goat... Purely exists. Uh, no, it's not quite the same, is it? I don't think I could eat a cloned goat either. But it, it depends. <laughs> no. it, it depends. Like probably after a while, how long well, we're how on this, this desert island. We we kill one goat. We kill one goat and <laughs> as we, a sacrifice like, to our new lords, <laughs> our new gods. No, we kill one goat in trying to turn the machine on. We're like, well, assume this is how you turn it on. <laughs> no, we kill one goat. Like create as some a goat warning to the rest of the goats. <laughs> no, we kill one goat to create some goat burgers and then we throw the burgers in the cloning machine and then we turn the machine on and then we have like hundreds of, of goat burgers to get us through the winter. Okay, so you sacrifice one goat but you get thousands of, you save the lives of thousands of other goats. I've, so by the way, I've never seen Mike Hal so furiously contributing to a conversation in my life. Like the message window... Has been running hot as he's trying to steer us back towards some kind. Michael, just like, stay out of it. Like, this is our show, right? This is how we don't follow logic. We don't use reason or science. We just debate things foolishly and with no evidence or facts. It must be driving his circuits crazy, just how bad and dumb this conversation is. He's like, I have all the information for you right here. I can just tell you what the answers are to you, stupid hypersonic. No, 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 no. No, sir. No, no, sir. You seem to have misunderstood, sir. Uh, um, okay. So we, what's it, uh, what would we do? Well, we, I think we answered that first question. We cloned some goat steaks or whatever animal is there. So, you know, because you'd be, you'd be okay with it. I mean, are you, I could kill the sheep or the goat or whatever it is because you wouldn't want to be involved in that. But would you be involved in the consuming of the cloned burgers? Would that fit in with your... Yeah, I think that, that works for me, right? If you yeah. kill it and make yeah. it into various... You know, like I've, I, I might have told this story before, but we used to have this like... Um, van that would come around to our house when we lived on the farm and we'd have a giant tub freezer 
and then like essentially you'd have a cow and the cow would go back into the back of this van. It was a mobile butcher van basically. And then like they'd just like break down the entire cow and then you'd fill up this tub freezer with like steaks and chops and sausages and liver and kidney and like little, you know, like kind of, you know, use every sort of part of the animal and then that would be your various things. Now I couldn't do that. But once those no. sausages had gone through the cloning machine and there was a clone set of Soso, I'd be, yeah, I'd be on it. <laughs> um, okay, the next thing we'd have to sort of work out is labor. Now, how many clones, because we, we're not going to be doing the heavy lifting ourselves, right? It'll be our uh, clones. We're yeah, going to have to need to organize Charlie. some system of, yeah, the hierarchy. Like, I mean... The clones that we create, do we create classes of clones? So we create oh, some laborers. This is where shit goes we wrong. We create some. This is where shit well, we, goes wrong. When, this is. Well, we otherwise have, we do. We're on an island. We have the opportunity to create a perfect civilization and you're already dividing it into <laughs> classes. <laughs> well, all right. So you and I are going to build a house, are we? Well, I think it's safer. And this is where we get into the argument, I guess, which is I would try to convince you initially that we should not go straight to clones. Because I think that clones create more problems than yeah. they are going to solve, right? Suddenly you need yeah, to be cloning more like Janet food. Jackson said, mo money, mo, mo clones, mo problems. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like, also then, like, who do we clone first? Are we cloning an equal number of people just to be fair? Or would you try to yeah. convince me that, because, like, say, for example, we're cloning people to do manual labor of construction, right? Well, then in that mm -hmm. case, I would make the argument that we should clone more of you than we clone of me because you are just in better physical shape to be able to do these mm. things. It just seems irrational for us to be cloning an equal amount of Wills and Charlies, like, you know, when really what we just need is a whole bunch of Charlies. But again... That's a good point. We don't need any extra Wills. Right. But then... What happens to Will when all the Charlies get together and go, I don't think we need, actually need any Wills. <laughs> oh, my God. We don't. I don't need you at all. In fact, I don't even need to kill that goat. I'll just kill you and eat Will burgers for the next month. <laughs> and then just be surrounded by me's. I'm going to have a great time. <laughs> Society of Charlies. It'll be like Lord of the Flies with just a bunch of Charlies. Well, this is the other thing is, like, if we are going to have a society, I'd much rather hang out with a bunch of Charlies than, a like, an equal amount of Will and Charlies. I could be a real pain in the ass at a party or a gathering. <laughs> I don't want a lot of me around. All right. I think that answers your question, Amy yes. Fox. She finishes off by saying, love you both. Love the pod. Thanks for years and years of great mates and great conversations. Okay. Next facts uh, is from a chemist. Someone sent this from a pharmacy. This is a genuine fax. This is a sent from a fax machine fax. They've had to, uh, it's from Amy Kell. She's had to fill out the entire uh, top line uh, to Will and Charlie from Amy Kell. She's got her number there. In the subject line, hey, Tofop. Um, she's had to tick a box as either urgent for review. Um, she's ticked, please comment please reply, and also please recycle. And I can tell you we will. Because someone hasn't stolen your recycling bin. <laughs> Not yet. To Colin Fop, hi Will and Charlie, here's another tantalizing titbit. Is it titbit or tidbit? Uh, look, look, we don't have the time to get into it. I believe we actually have previously got into it. I think one of the okay. early episodes of Tofop, we literally had the conversation about whether it was titbit or tidbit. And I am none the wiser from that conversation about what it is. I believe it's different in different countries. I think maybe the British were tidbit and the uh, right. Americans were titbit, but it might be the other way around. Anyway. Yeah. Hello from a 30-year-old pharmacist business owner who is a fax expert and whose boyfriend previously had no idea why she listens to, and in quotes, TOFOP with all the dick jokes. <laughs> Needless to say, I tried to get him on the bandwagon very early on and failed. <laughs> but after we saw Will's show at the Opera House on the weekend, I think I've converted him. We loved the show. It was fantastic. And we listened to Tofop all the way home to Newcastle. There were many laughs coming from my said boyfriend. Well, how about that? A little bit of Will Eagle turns him on to a bit of Tofop. I think that's good. That's good. It's cross-pollination. 
Anyway, I've always wanted to write in about an unfinished story. It was early on, and Charlie, I think, mentioned the, the time that someone tried to get him on board to be a male escort. I've always wondered what happened next. Huh. Okay, yeah. So that was a story. I can't remember when we told it, but I have told this story before. So when I was about 19 or 18 or 19, I was at a, a nightclub and got chatting to a dude. And he asked me where I lived. And I said, oh, you know, I lived in this uh, suburb, Brighton, you know, well-to-do suburb in Melbourne. And he's gone, oh, he's gone, there's a lot of very um, lonely housewives in Brighton. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and he's like, a lot of women also, uh, like business women, quite busy. They uh, need company to go to events and stuff. Would you be interested in doing that kind of work? And I was like, you mean like being a prostitute? And he's like, no, no, no. It's it's it's, it's escort work. You're, I love you're a, that you immediately go to that though. Like, been a prostitute? Yeah, wasn't that well? That's what it sounded like. That was your standard said, no, answer to any inquiry of employment at that time, though. <laughs> like someone was like, yeah. "What it'll be is you'll get it at nine, you'll go home at five. Your duties will be mostly light paperwork, and you'll be like, like being a prostitute, prostitute, no." <laughs> uh, so he was saying the way he explained it to me, and look, my memory's a bit foggy, uh, uh, but he was saying that you're primarily an escort, so you are to provide company. To people you go to events you go around and hang out with them go to dinner all that kind of stuff and then if you're going to have sex that's an extra that's an extra price on top of that so and i said do i have the right of refusal is gone well yes but if you're someone who you think may be going to refuse it then maybe choose a different line of work so uh, the answer is no you have to <laughs> you have to have sex with them um so the finish to the story and i can't remember where we got to was I thought about it because he was saying to me, this is like, it would have been 1996, roughly. And uh, this dude had a, a pager and a, and a mobile phone, which I thought was really impressive. And he told me that he would give me my own mobile phone, my exclusive mobile phone that I could use for work. And he told me that I could earn between three and seven grand a week. Um, at the time, I was working in a video store, I think, making... I think my I think I was getting like nine dollars an hour or something. So it was a it was a significant step up in terms of income. Um, so I thought about it for a few days, and I was living with Mum at the time. And I remember I said to Mum, "Hey, Mum, if I uh, all of a sudden had a mobile phone and a pager and started bringing home between like three and seven grand a week, what would you think?" And she was like, "You're either a drug dealer or a prostitute." <laughs> so I was like, "Okay, okay." Uh, she finishes off by saying, well, what sort of books would you read in your proposed house in Hawaii? Fiction, non-fiction, or a mix? Love your work, Amy. Uh, well, around my office at the moment, I have piles of books in sort of like separate zones. So I have like a pile of books. I don't have any bookshelves at the moment. So instead, I've just kind of piled books. So I reckon over my left shoulder here, which is kind of like books that I might want to read for you know, work or just like being a more intelligent human being, like books about society or, you know, you know, current events or something like that. There's about, I'm going to say there's, oh, geez, there's like 60, 60 books in that pile. Um, and then over my right shoulder over here, there's probably about 20 or 30 autobiographies, a lot of comedians like uh, Robin Williams. There's a new book about him that I want to read. And then over on my, on my other shoulder over there, there's a pile of about 15 books, which are like, I guess, kind of what you'd consider to be like fiction books. But yeah, no, mostly autobiographies or like books about um, society and how society works. That's, that's, that tends to be my favorite types of reading at the moment. And our last fax is from Andrew McDonald, who's very official with a cover letter that I'm counting as a fourth fax uh, to Tofop, company Tofop all his sender information and he's even look at this will you see that he's created a proper tofop correspondence oh. letterhead oh my god that's so good amazing right so good okay so andrew says hey guys a newer listener andrew reporting from the united states heard of it naturally i found you guys from the weekly planet uh which is a great show big fans of a really, really brilliant show. And they're doing a live show coming up and they're very nervous about no one turning up. So anyone in Melbourne, uh, go to the Weekly Planet website and go check these guys out. I, I've never seen their live show, but I imagine if it's as good as the recorded podcast, the live show will be a bunch of laughs. Yeah, it's just a really good podcast. It's just absolutely one of my favorites. I always find it endlessly entertaining. And it's got me into watching YouTube videos. That is actually the podcast because you've been watching YouTube videos... 
forever. Yeah. Like, and I just have never, I'm like, oh, YouTube videos aren't for me. And then I got into the Weekly Planet and then I was like, well, you know, James has this like huge YouTube channel where he does like video breakdowns and stuff. And I like him. I think he's funny. So maybe I'll like these things. And now that my new TV has like YouTube on the TV. Like I've just like got in holes where I sit like and just watch YouTube. It's the best. On television. Yeah. But the problem is when you watch too many of those ones, when you get into like those really nerdy breakdown ones and stuff. And then YouTube starts recommending like a bunch that you don't care about. And you're like, no, stop this. I don't want to open my homepage and be recommended like 15 things you missed in the last episode of Westworld. Oh, I realized the other day that like the history comes up when other people then go to yeah, use yeah, it. That's why and I'd seen that somebody else had used it. And I was like, oh, that's why I don't log in. Oh, my stuff doesn't look good next to their stuff. <laughs> on my computer, fine, but I don't log in on the TV. Uh, <laughs> hi, guys. New listener. Found you from the Weekly Planet. Sad to hear the Everyone Read Facts segment may be drawing to a close. If so, you guys had a good run. <laughs> we've just, we've recommissioned it for another 45 weeks because that's how many stickers we've got. So. <laughs> oh yeah, so we, uh, just on that, I don't know if I mentioned it, but obviously when you send your faxes in from next week, uh, if you would like to be in the running to get the sticker pack, you obviously need to provide us with yep. your mailing address on the fax, which I will keep confidential. Uh, I sent this fax just to say this. When I first started listening, for some reason, I imagined Will to resemble famous Hollywood comedian T.J. Miller. <laughs> this was a problem for me, as I despise him. <laughs> Although I've heard good things about Silicon Valley, I cannot bring myself to watch it, simply because I hate T.J. Miller. <laughs> I find him unbearable in the Deadpool movies, and that fake bomb threat he pulled is just immature. After listening to a few episodes, I decided to find out what you guys look like, and it was very relieving to find out you do not like look you, that you that none of you look like him at all. The end. I mean, it's a pretty low bar for which to judge people by, which is like as long as you don't look like T.J. Miller, I know. who I despise. Then other than that, what a, that's my only precondition. What I love to the point where I'm willing. To access some ancient te- technology in the, in, and send a fax to let you know about that. So, I'm relieved as well. Of all the things, of all the conditions, you cannot look like this one specific person. Otherwise, Other than that, we're cool. I mean, what were the odds? Yeah. Imagine if you did look exactly like T.J. Miller. Can you imagine like how angry he would have been? Because clearly he likes to show enough to send us a fax. Yeah. But the one thing that was... And he would have been like, knew it. I bloody knew it. I could tell from the voice that he looked like fucking... T- now that's ruined my favourite podcast. Well, my, this podcast that I listen to sometimes. Well, so speaking of the Weekly Planet, before those guys went public uh, with Planet Broadcasting and stuff, because I'd been listening to them for a couple of years, and I was back... I like their old stuff much more than the new stuff, Will. I was there from the very beginning. Uh, but I, well, I had... It's mean to their new stuff. <laughs> their new stuff's very good. Their new stuff's great. I had no idea what those guys looked like because there was nothing online of what... They, they hadn't done any press or anything like that. And I'd gone onto a few uh, like Weekly Planet sort of message boards or whatever where people... There was some speculation about what the guys might look like. And someone posted a photo that said, this is what James looks like. I found a photo of James, which was this like bald dude. And I remember seeing the photo and there was a moment where I was a little like... Huh, that's not that's not what I thought he he looked like, and I don't think I like the show as much knowing that James <laughs> looks like this guy, and I was really disappointed. So then, when they did launch Planet Broadcasting and they had some publicity stills done, and I got to see what he looked like, and Nick, I was like, oh yeah, that's much more in line with what I'd imagined, and I feel much more comfortable supporting the show knowing that you don't look like that weird bald guy. Uh, does is that what he looks like, or is he actually that weird bald guy? And that weird ball guy knows that he is off-putting. So he's hired this other guy <laughs> to play him in public appearances. And that's why they're nervous about their live show is that it's not actually him. He's backstage Cyrano style yeah, feeding right. the public James lines. There was a theory going around for a while that James and Nick were actually the same person, that it was one guy doing the entire show. I mean, it would have been the greatest podcast of all time. If that was revealed... 
Like I just that, that I would have loved that. I would have been like, this is fantastic. Um, all right, we're gonna wrap things up there. So remember to send in faxes uh, for your chance to win a Tofop sticker book. Go to our Facebook page to check out the <laughs> what. What are you laughing at? The sentence you just said. What? Remember to send in faxes <laughs> so you can win a Tofop sticker book. I mean, seriously, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> if you go to our Facebook, tra- uh, Facebook page, I'll put up a little video showing the uh, sticker book, showing off all the features, showing you what you can be in the running to win. If you would like to send us a fax but you don't have access to a fax machine, go to tofop.com where Mike Hall has put very specific instructions on how you can send us one digitally. While you're there, you might want to check out some of our other podcasts like Philosophy, Fofop, Two Guys, One Cup. There's a new episode of Two Guys, One Cup uh, for AFL fans out there for Trade Week, a two-hour bumper episode, off-season bumper episode. Trade extravaganza. A lot of speculating on trades, which was ironic considering that the trades had all been already done and we had them in front of us. Um, we're on Twitter. Uh, what else do we promote? Oh, Patreon. Yes. Um, we've had a little uh, chat off air. We want to uh, provide more value for you guys on Patreon. So here's two things we're thinking of doing. One is we're opening all reward levels, opening everything up to everyone. If you're a $20 subscriber, you'll still get the limited edition TOEFOP 100 book sent to you. But everything else we want to open up because we realize that people just are going to contribute what they can. And we want to make it fair to everyone. But we're going to start putting more... Uh, more content online specifically for the Patreon subscribers to give you value for money. For instance, we just were talking right. about doing a live stream in a couple of weeks. Yeah, so we would do a, a show actually live. You get to see, you know, Charlie and I on, on the screens and totally, you know, when it breaks down totally and when we can't hear each other. TJ Millery look lookalikes. You'll see that we don't look like TJ Miller, either of us. And so I think how that works is like, you know, if you sign up to the Patreon, we can then, um, you know, send you out a link. And, um, you know, you can access this live stream. We get, but we decided with the Patreon that we'd make it this place, you know, for extra stuff for people who are interested in extra stuff about the podcast, um, who are willing to subscribe. But that idea that you have to subscribe this much to get yeah. this content or this much to get that, it's just like, hey, contribute what you can contribute and what you think it's worth. But everyone who can contribute will get access to the Patreon stuff. That's right. That's right. So go to patreon.com forward slash TOEFOP to uh, sign up to support the show. Uh, and Will, you're on tour. Oh, yeah, tour. Uh, Pakenham, Bendigo, uh, Noosa, Townsville uh, were legal. And uh, two shows with the dollop, one in Sydney and the extra show on the 29th Monday in Melbourne. They've added an extra show and uh, so there are plenty of tickets available if you want to come and see me with Dave and Gareth from the dollop. Come and see that. That'd be good. You beauty. I'm Charlie Clawson. <laughs> you beauty. <laughs> I'm Will Anderson. Should that be our new sign-off from now on? <laughs> No. No, it shouldn't, you dirty binge-ainer. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you.